Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and learn how you can support this and other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. What's going on, Flame On listeners? This is Pat, the Talking Bearskin Rug. We've got a very special episode for you today. We're bringing you not one, but two interviews with great LGBT creators who have put their projects up for backing on Kickstarter. First, you have Brian talking to Jace Peoples of The Advocate Magazine, one of the creative forces behind the new LGBT kids book, Square Zare Pair. Listen in. Hi, this is Brian, and I'm here with Jace Peebles, the author of the new Kickstarter-based project, Square Zare Pair. I got it right. I was so worried. Square no, Zare you got it right. So Square Zare Pair, I'll give the quick, and then you can elaborate. It's a great LGBT kids book that in, in, a, in a world where we have so few LGBT positive like children's stories – um, and, and a gender identity stories. You have come along and had this great pitch. So I'll let you, you know, tell us your, tell us your pitch. And then if anyone is interested, we'll, we'll make, mention this again later in the show, but it's up on Kickstarter, uh, square Zare, Zare is Z-A-I-R and pair like, you know, a pair of people, uh, or a pair of anything. Uh, and that's how you can find it. So Jace, take it away and tell us all about this cool new, uh, book that you're creating. Uh, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Brian. Uh, Squares Air Pair, it's an LGBT-themed children's book, like you said. Um, it's written by myself with art by a brilliant former Disney interactive artist. Her name is Christine Knopf. And the story takes place in the magical land of Hanamandu. It's a place where square and round zares, uh, small little creatures called zares, uh, they do all things in pairs, and they live here. Um, and the pairs are always made up of one round square, of one round there and one square there. But one day when the two square there's pair up for the first time, the village initially rejects them before learning a lesson in kindness and acceptance. And now you, you pick this interesting sort of fantastic area, of course, to do like a, you know, great, um, classic fairy tale I, I from what i'm seeing of the art so far and from what i'm hearing and about you know the land and all that it's it feels very susian is that kind of where you were trying to aim for or what was your influence there absolutely when you, yeah okay now yeah go ahead sorry. i actually i grew up in the library uh, my mom was a librarian for the first 18 years of my life and i spent a lot of summers um going and spending hours and hours in the library um during story time and i really fell in love with dr seuss and I remember a lot of the animated specials that would come on when I was a kid. And so I wanted to create a story in the spirit of that that really represented the LGBT point of view and helped further diversity and, you know, send a message that um, bullying isn't cool. I mean, 
what's also magical is you paired up with this artist, Christina Knopp, which I had not, I don't think I had seen in, in, in any, any form, but she is former Disney, of course. And you go to her Tumblr, which is kikidoodle.tumblr.com. And oh my gosh, the art is just gorgeous. I mean, she has, of course, a lot of the squares there pair, uh, promo or just, you know, concept design stuff. And it, it looks so much fun. Does she do everything, pencils, colors, inks, the whole thing? She goes through a, a really big process. As a matter of fact, we spent a year storyboarding out the book first, where she did very rough sketches, and um, she, she took it from there. Uh, but Christine is brilliant. She does a lot of make-believe animals, and um, she has a long history of creating her own characters. So when I found her and I saw her artwork, I was I knew that there was no better artist for the project than her. And I'm so thankful that she, she agreed to do it. And, and it's just, I mean, again, the, the color, the mainly the thing is the colors, like the designs are really cool. And they're, they're, they're very much keeping in that they have a slight touch of Disney. They have a slight uh, touch of Dr. Seuss. Uh, they have a slight touch of something else that I can't put my finger on, but definitely in that mold, but the colors, oh my God, the colors are brilliant and lovely and like pinks and purples and i mean it's just visually arresting i that is the first thing like i'd heard about this for a mutual friend of ours and i was like well yeah of course we're gonna talk to you know a, a new lgbt kids author like this is awesome uh, and then i want to get into your your background too because you know you're a big geek like us at flame on so you know you know any any gay geek out there who does something cool like this of course i want to know more but when i when i when i watched the video you posted and when i saw the visuals i'm like oh my gosh this is this is going to really catch some attention plus the title is that great susian title you know with the the alliteration or the internal rhyming or whatever it's been forever you know like that that really catches people's <laughs> attention right you know so what um so your background and we'll come back to this you know, you are a journalist from what I've been able to find out, and you seem to be pretty geeky. You have a lot of geeky <laughs> articles to your credit. I may or may not have found some postings of yours from years back on bulletin boards, if it's the same, Jace. I don't know. Uh, tell us a little yeah. bit about your geeky pedigree, because I think our listeners would be really curious. Wow. Okay. So well, part of um, my education in geek culture actually came from the years I spent in the library. When I was a young kid, they used to have comics in the library. And that was one of the first ways in which I learned how to read. Um, they used to have, I can remember distinctly picking up old world finest comics and uh, Marvel Star Wars run back oh, in the wow. day. Yeah. Um, and I just fell in love with comics from there. I, I used to beg my mother to take me to the Seven Eleven down the street from where we lived, where I would spend hours, if I can get away with it, just going through the spinner rack of comics and um, would run down to go pick up new issues of G.I. Joe and Justice League, anything I could get my hands on. Now, were you more of a Marvel or DC guy back back then? And, and who were some of your favorites? Oh, definitely DC. I'm a huge Superman fan, oh. and um, I, I actually spent many, many years protesting that uh, – Marvel altogether. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I, I've been uh, turned away from, from that, and um, I, I actually love comics and all, all the different companies and comics in all of its various forms. Yeah, I just think it's a wonderful medium that's only just now beginning to get its proper due. Oh, gosh. I mean, we're certainly in the renaissance of uh, comic book culture with it dominating the movies and dominating media. I mean, when Marvel or DC do anything big now, we get a freaking press release and it's all over all the major news outlets. Like, And it's awesome, too. I will admit, uh, we know we've talked to Brian Anderson uh, as well, who's written for Advocate. And, like, I am thrilled, having been a longtime reader of the print Advocate from back in the day, that mm -hmm. there is geeky coverage because for the longest time – you know, and you, I'm sure, would agree. Like us, gay geeks would pick up Advocate or Out or Instinct or, gosh, X and Y, and and it was really only some of the, like the X and Y and some of the younger themed uh, gay uh, media that would even touch geeky anything. And now it seems yeah, like actually, we're oh, getting I'm great sorry. coverage. Uh, absolutely, I'm actually I'm the entertainment editor over at the Advocate, and since I stepped into that role, I've done my best. Even beforehand, actually, done my best to sort of up the the range of geeky coverage that they they provide. Um, I've actually ended up working with DC Comics a lot, and um, had the opportunity to break several stories. Um, it's been an amazing, amazing position to be in, and I'm really happy to be able to help bridge the gap between 
the Geekverse and <laughs> the LGBT uh, media side of things. Now, um, have you had a lot of pushback in that uh, attempt? I mean, has it been a pretty well received? And and I'm guessing it's an easy, it's becoming an easier battle. But but early on, I'm guessing it was it was a tough uh, tough fight, right? I think um, I'm stepping into it at just the right time. Okay. And whereas maybe five or six years ago, it may not have been as easy a sale. But because, as you said, we are running, we are living in a renaissance of superheroes and and comics and geek culture. Um, it's it's been fairly fairly easy to convince them. Now, um, in covering this, uh, you know, comic book world and being a journalist, have you also thought about? Have you had story ideas that you've kind of tucked away? Would you be interested in pursuing that at one of the big publishers uh, in in the comic medium, or is it? Would you rather stick to you know outside of that? that sort of, you know, niche <laughs> market? What, what, what would you, any, oh, well, I, I won't ask you for any ideas, of course, because those are, you know, p- protected for potential future use, but, I mean, is that something you'd be interested <laughs> in doing? Do you have a good Superman story in there? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I mean, that would be a dream come true. Um, definitely, there are always ideas kicking around, but um, as I've been moving along, I've been noodling over a couple of other ideas, and I would love to sit down and, and pitch them. Yeah, I mean, because I, I know from going to many of the comic shows that I would love to see more geeky creators in the marketplace. You know, uh, you know, you only have so many Mark Andreikos and now Tony Orlando and uh, um, Jose or Jose um, Jimenez, Phil Jimenez. You know, like you know, it, we're getting more and more Kate Leth. I mean, we're getting more and more of these great creators. And, you know, of course, our straight allies have a, a great ability to write queer content. Uh, I got to host a panel at Heroes Con, and they had uh, the the Hernandez brothers, and um, my mind is blanking. Oh, it's Tony Tony Moore. Uh, and, and I got to have yeah. both of them on the same panel at the same show. And it was so awesome just to be like – Oh my gosh, you wrote queer content and you're not, you're not gay. You know, how did you do it? What, what did you, you know, what brought that to your attention? You know, what was your response? And, and, you know, they did it. Gosh, they did it when it was really not accepted or even interested and protested. And, you know, now, I mean, that we can have these queer comics now, you know, like Northwest and we can have queer, uh, kids books besides just, you know, Heather has two mommies. You know, like it's so awesome. Yeah. Kids are going to be able to grow up in such a more positive environment, you know, when they have that identity question and they have no, you know, outlet for it. So who is, when you were younger, who were your uh, either media or personal, like who were the, the, the gay or you, you probably, you thought they might be gay um, heroes for you? I always thought it's been an interesting aspect of Superman. And I know a lot of other people, um, might share this view too. I, I kind of grew up loving a lot of the young Superboy comics because as a kid growing up gay in a small town, I always felt like I looked like everybody else, but there was something different about me. And I think without knowing it, some of those writers really captured what that felt like, the idea that you are an alien on the inside. And all the, the silly excuses you would give Lana Lang about why they couldn't date and all of these different things that he had to hide even from people that he cared about most really resonated with me as a gay person growing up. Oh, I'm sure, right? And I, I, I never thought yeah. about that because I didn't read Superman growing up as much. I read a more Marvel, and so X-Men, of course, was like the uh, everybody's, you know, uh, oh, that's the gay metaphor and the civil rights metaphor and all that. But, you know, even some stuff with Spider-Man, you know, and, and any superhero that had like that secret identity that they had to protect, like that definitely resonates um, with gay youth, I think, and, and transgendered youth as well. It's got to. Um, be a factor. Absolutely. I think a lot of things in the 80s as well, um, a lot of cartoons like Gemini the Holograms and things like that that resonated with a lot of gay people. I think anything that had that dual identity where you had to hide that secret identity from other people that you love, I think a lot of queer people found a kinship with those characters, and that's part of the reason why they, they've grown to love them and they've stuck with them as long as they have. Um. Now, with your let's going back to the Squares Air pair, of course, um, you have some really interesting uh, reward levels. I had a hard time. I'll be honest. I had a really tough time choosing. Um, uh, but the uh, one that really caught my attention 
and I'm kind of sad that I just didn't have the money to, to go for it, is the gem and the holograms. Samantha Newark herself is doing your audio book. Like, that is so cool. How did you, like, was what, what gave you the idea to approach her? And, you know, like, how did that all come to be? Um, Samantha's amazing. And uh, she's been, uh, she's been somebody I've looked up to for a very long time, of course. I grew up, uh, like many other kids, watching Gem and the Holograms. And that voice, to me, is just the epitome of kindness and sweetness and everything that I felt was at the heart of Square's Air Pair. Um, I met Samantha a few years ago. I've interviewed her a few times for The Advocate. And this last year at uh, the Transformers Convention, BotCon, she was a guest. And we sat down and had a nice conversation. And I reached back out to her about possibly doing this. And to my elation, she said yes. <laughs> And so, uh, yes, I, she's recorded the entire audiobook. It's already completed and ready to go. I mean, that is so cool. Like, and, and, you know, if you're going on here and you're looking at the levels, make sure you go all the way down to the one. It's $100 for, like, the audiobook plus the PDF plus the hardback, all of that. Like, that's a great, great deal because, I mean, this is it's gem. And in, 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 in an era right now where, unfortunately – we think the movie for Jim and the Holograms won't really give the cartoon its due, <laughs> if I'm being polite here. <laughs> I mean, we think. We, we don't know because we just saw a trailer and, you know, I, I assume your reaction was similar to a lot of the fans of the cartoon when, when you saw it. Well, I mean, it's definitely not the same Gem and the Holograms that we grew up with. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how it turns out and hopefully there will be some elements that are, are positive and make it a worthwhile venture. I mean, I, I know she says in the trailer synergy. And so I'm like, well, maybe they're just not showing us certain elements, but certainly it's a more grounded down to earth sort of, you know, chill, uh, a YouTube era, uh, you know, rise to stardom story. Um, so, you know, it's an, it's a, it's an adaptation. They're all adaptations. But I, uh, I am interested to see the final product and see. Now, have you checked out the Gem and the Holograms comic book that's been out? I have. And what I think is, is so cool about that is the way that they've reinterpreted some of the characters to be LGBT as well. I saw and that, yeah. I think what's even more amazing about it is one of the creators is came out as transgender recently. Have you watched, speaking of Jim, and then we'll, we'll, we'll t get off to the Jim tangent here. Have you watched the Sierra, <clears throat> Sierra Enema? Is that her name? The drag queens that do the voiceovers for Jim? Oh, for Jizz and the Mammograms. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I we just showed that to friends of ours, and they their their mouths were just on the floor. <laughs> I I mean, it's about the most offensive thing you can do with uh, that cartoon, I think. <laughs> but it's it it's, is pretty yeah. funny. <laughs> Um, but it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it takes a lot of talent. In a completely different way, it's amazing. Exactly. Uh, so Sophia Campbell. So the comic is, is Go ahead. yeah, it's uh, Kelly Thompson and and uh, uh, Sophia Campbell. Okay. Who are the creators of? Who are the current creative team on the Gem and the Holograms comic? And it's it's a departure from what we also knew in the eighties, but I think it's wonderful and well done, and everybody seems to be enjoying it. What's really cool is to see that Jeb, on the eve of her 30th anniversary, is having a renaissance as well. And it is being interpreted in lots of different ways. And that can only mean more people that end up being exposed to the project and, you know, hopefully a larger fan base. I mean, and, and, and the art design on this, like, it is equally very modern and influenced, but but very true to the, the feel of the original in terms of the uh, the punk rock you know, uh, elements. So I'm, I'm very, th yeah, I, I, I was not as big a gym fan growing up, but I certainly watched it occasionally. And I was like, Oh, it's cool. I like this. And then, you know, since then going back and kind of rediscovering some of it and just reliving that whole era of the eighties. Cause I, I, that was, that was pretty much when I was in my formative years and you know, those kind of cartoons like Jim and, um, GI Joe and, you know, that, that, that sort of style of animation is, is just very, 
Well, now we look at it and we just think, wow, that's really quaint. But back then that was like the most amazing thing, you know, I mean, it was it was the best we had. And it still has that fondness, even if it sort of looks a little dated. Yeah, I think there's a charm to it. And one of the things that I think kids don't really realize today is that was a golden age for animation on television in a lot of ways. It was the first time that we could come home from, you know, 1982 to, you know, throughout the rest of the 80s. It was the first time where we could come home after school and see these characters every single day. So I think that they impacted our generation in a way that isn't available to kids these days because everything's so saturated. But at the time, that was new and groundbreaking. Yeah, I mean, and I don't think they even have any more, like, the concept of Saturday morning cartoons. You know, they're just, they're all over if you go to the right channels. But, you know, that that event that we had, you know, event of television every Saturday morning, it became such an institution tradition for so for, for multiple generations of youth. Um, and, yeah, now it's 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 definitely different now. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that's also what creates culture. It's what creates pop culture, the idea of this event bringing us all together. So it, it became playground talk. It was the thing that we talked about, you know, when we saw each other the next day at school or the next week. And uh, unfortunately, that there's not the same circumstances that create that anymore. Um, they're different, but I'm really happy to have grown up in that time because we had something special. And that's a part of what I am hoping to sort of recreate with Squares Air Pair is, this event, this thing that comes together for young LGBT people and their parents. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great touchstone. And, and one of the, the, the pledges or the, one of the, 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 I guess not a reward, the, the, yeah, the, the, the reward levels is actually uh, for 500 bucks, five hard cop, hardback copies of squares air pair are donated to local libraries, which that's really special because, you know, these libraries are still a place where underprivileged kids or kids with parents who just want to kind of, hey, kid, you know, here, I'll take you to the library as, you know, is a great tradition. And, and they, they're there for resources and, you know, that the kids could find these books in their schools and in their libraries, you know, wouldn't have to wait until they grow up to go online to find them or, you know, whatever. Like, that's awesome. And and I'm sad here to see that, like, you still have, I mean, basically it's a limited number and you still have them left for people to do. Like, that's a great, not only is it a good, you know, you get a copy, but you get to donate those to the school. Like, I love that you put that in there. Thank you. I actually, um, I have a person that did donate that amount, but then they didn't choose any reward. So, I thought it was rather interesting, but um, we recently in this last week added a stretch goal on the, the campaign, and if we reach it, we wanted to donate a full set of books, one for each class plus two to the campus library to um, Harvey Milk Civil Rights Academy in San Francisco, oh. and I wanted to do that for two reasons. One, just like you said, libraries have been a touchstone for or a cornerstone for young people and learning more about the world, um, and it was certainly a big part of my life growing up. But I also wanted to have a presence with the story in one of the cities that helped form the modern civil rights movement for LGBT people. And uh, Harvey Milk Civil Rights Academy is located just a couple of blocks away from where Castro Camera was opened by Harvey Milk and his partner back in 1972, right there in the Castro district. Wow. So I'm really hopeful that we can push things a little bit further because I would love to be able to walk in there with a whole set of books to that place and bring a story that furthers love and diversity and kindness um, to a whole new generation. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's a, it's so important for, uh, we just had our fringe festival here in Orlando, a French theater festival. And it's so important to have plays and media that have gay history and, and connect with the gay history. And the fact that, you know, there are these schools being named after people like Harvey Milk. And that, that, that to me is so important because we've seen how easy it is. People forget. You ask a lot of people, you know, slightly younger than us, I think, and Stonewall doesn't have really much resonance to them. Even Harvey Milk may or may not have resonance if they haven't either, you know, read gay history or, or watched the Milk, you know, movie or, or, you know, just, you know, passed it on in, you know, in different forms. But like, that, that that these schools exist and that you you want to help you know give them these resources like that's again it's a great it's a great mission you know it's it's neat to create art but it's even better when they're that's art with a message of hope and and in 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 acceptance and like you know the more of it the better <laughs> yeah 
But I kind of think it's our responsibility as well as LGBT people to help further not only our, our causes but our own history because if we can teach others about what we've been through and our perspective and our own history, we help make the world a better place as well. And even for kids who, who aren't LGBT, by sharing these stories and by sharing our history, we help create better allies for the future as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, 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 and again, showing people like the theater projects that we saw about Stonewall, I knew people who had seen it who had no idea. And just witnessing these characters react to the stone, the events of Stonewall, like that meant so much to them because they just had no idea. You know, I growing up, I didn't know about Stonewall probably until I was at least in college. And, you know, that there were riots, that there was a an event where patrons of a gay bar basically said, you know what, police, we're not going to tolerate your arresting and harassing us anymore. I mean, that that moment and, you know, that it birthed the gay rights movement. It's just, yeah, it's very important history. And I'm glad I'm glad to see you and other artists and, and writers that I know finding ways to bring that to, you know, the uh, the culture. Um Squares Air Pair, the Kickstarter, depending on when this goes out, may have closed, but hopefully you will have seen it on our Facebook, seen it on Twitter. We have other, of course, our friends at Geeks Out are promoting it. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm sure you've done other shows and podcasts about this by now. They're, I'm sure, promoting it. Like, we really, I know you're close, and hopefully by the time people hear this, you will have succeeded and you will have your uh, Kickstarter goal met. Um, and, uh, you know, I wish you the best of luck with this. I'm really excited to see this, to, to hold it. You know, I've already ordered my copy. Uh, but I'm really Thank excited for, for people to check this out. The video is up on the Kickstarter page. Uh, again, Square Zare, Z-A-I-R, Pair. And it's a great video. You know, you talk very, very eloquently about the whole mission, the whole thing. And it's it's a it's a great pitch. The art looks great. Um, yeah, no, I'm excited. Now, would you... Would you want to take this and do anything else with the idea in the future? Or do you feel like this was just a sort of nice package, one-shot thing? Is, is there something you could do or it's just not the right thing to, to expand on? Oh, no, I would absolutely love to expand on it. Um, I mean, there's so many possibilities with that. But definitely, this is just an initial run and, and to get things moving along. And if it can gain enough attention, I would love to see it released. <clears throat> excuse me, on a broader, on a broader basis. Um, awesome. I would love to see it picked up by a, a larger publisher. Um, but still, I don't want, I don't want to have somebody come in and take out the message of what's at the heart of it. And yeah. so I think it was important for me to stay in control of that message so that the LGBT heart of Squares Air Pair was kept intact. No, that's that's I mean, in, in this day and age with with things like Kickstarter, with, you know, print on demand, with with just with all of the tools we have, there is no reason you can't realize that dream without a major publisher to at least get the word out. And so I I'm very excited for this. Uh, again, if you if you guys have anything else, uh, you know, questions about it, Jace, you're on Twitter as well. Yes, I am, and I'm also on Facebook. And if people would like to see that on YouTube, there is the first one third of the audiobook, along with some of the preview of the art. Um, by uh, I'm sorry, the preview by Samantha Newark of the audiobook that she read, and the preview of the art by Christine Mop, um that is up on YouTube right now, and it's also available on our Kickstarter page underneath our updates. Now they would find you just with your name, Jace Peoples. Peoples, sorry, yeah. my B's and my P's get confused, Jace. People's with a P, two P's. Um, and then your artist is also up on Tumblr and DeviantArt and a couple of the places. Uh, let me make sure I get her Tumblr night. Uh, KikiDoodle.tumblr.com. Uh, Christine Knopp is her name. And that's K-N-O-P-P. Christine Knopp. And again, her yeah. stuff is awesome. Very excited to see. Are you doing any of the cons or shows or is this sort of a thing you would not really take to one of those just yet? Um, actually, so Christine will have a table at Comic-Con, and she's a staple at a lot of conventions, including WonderCon. Um, we may not have copies available by this year for Comic-Con, but there will definitely be artwork there. Christine will be there. I'll be roaming around the halls. <laughs> uh, there, there will definitely be some things available there. Awesome. Well, please, everyone, go out and check this out. Support it, even if you just do the PDF. Every little bit, as I've found with these Kickstarters, really goes a long way. 
And I look forward to, like I said, getting a copy and, and sharing this with, I mean, I'm pretty much going to read it. I'll keep my PDF and I'm going to hand like a, a hard copy to a, a my, my nephew who's going to be born in October, you know, when he's old enough, you know, I'm going to definitely we're this is the kind of thing you want to share, share, share and buy copies of to, uh, to share with schools, which again is a great, great mission. So I wish you the best of luck with this project. We're super pleased to let everybody know that Jace and the rest of the creative team behind Square Zero Pair did reach their goal when the Kickstarter campaign ended on June 10th. Next up, Brian and Adam talk to Anthony, one of the creative minds behind a brand new LGBT tabletop slash online game called Post Republica. There's still time to back Post Republica on Kickstarter. So if you want to check out this LGBT tabletop game for yourself, head on over to their Kickstarter and go back them. We are here with Anthony Ford, Anthony, and uh, some partners that you can talk about uh, are doing a fantastic, really interesting sci-fi tabletop game called Post Replica. And it is on Kickstarter. I found out about it from a friend of mine who's also, I believe, one of your partners, Stephen. Mm-hmm. You know, you two, I guess, are up in New York, New York City. That's right, New York City. And you're in law school, or you're just graduating law school? <laughs> we graduated today, in fact. Wow, congratulations. Thank you very much, yeah. <laughs> like, I have to start with your law students, and you, I found out, had a computer science background. What, and, and Stephen's a musician, what got you guys to get together and make a game? Well, I mean, it all started with, uh, you know, it actually kind of all started with Steven in a way. He he was organizing a tabletop group to meet weekly at the law school as a kind of way to de-stress from our legal studies. And uh, we found a group of people. It was uh, Steven and I uh, and Matt, Matthew Kennedy and Chris Asbury, two other law students. Matthew's from Utah. Chris is from Chicago. Steven's from Florida and I'm from upstate New York. And we we all came together at law school here, and, and we decided that we really wanted to uh, roll up our sleeves and make something. I mean, so many times lawyers are thought of as this sort of the no person, right. but we really wanted to make something in law school and, and kind of say that we are, you know, we know what it's like, you know, to roll up our sleeves and do something. Well, it looks like it's already a successful funding campaign on Kickstarter, and with quite a few days to go could potentially meet a lot of your stretch goals. Tell us a little bit about Post Replica. Yeah, so Post Replica is a hybrid tabletop online game where you play as an android who's trying to hide uh, his or her true identity from humans who will sort of retire them upon discovery. And the online component is that androids have formed this underground railroad of support where they will help each other try to survive in this hostile world. Um, And the online component uh, involves a tablet in the middle of the table as you play this sort of more traditional tabletop RPG. And And that app connects you to a shared world state where you have missions, rumors, information, NPCs, all being sort of updated constantly by the activities of the players of the game. And what we really want to hit on is the fact that each android feels like they have to hide their identity and they're isolated. But through this mutual support network that you get through the app, you really get this sense of community that comes out of Post Replica that that we find really interesting. Which, of course, you know, being our target audience, uh, parallels very well with the GLBT community. Uh, would, Would you say that your own experience in other apps or um, that sense of isolated community coming together helped to influence this game or your collective experiences, I suppose? Definitely. So, I mean, I first thought of the idea of, you know, androids as an allegory for GLBT experiences back in college when when I was coming out of the class. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. As it myself, I I was sort of a gay geek and I had a really hard time. Uh you know, coming to terms with what was my, you know, what was my sort of programmer, you know, drummer, uh, you know, geeky identity going to be now that I was sort of adding this sexuality component to it. You know, who was I going to be to my friends and my family? And and I thought of this game as like a perfect sort of uh, safe, um, parallel to that to that experience I, I thought maybe if people played as an android and they they got this experience as an as an outsider they'd have empathy with my experience living in the closet and really coming to grips with who i was in a uh you know at the time a very hostile world today maybe less so but still we have a lot of progress to make uh and i thought this game would be a great way to do that so fast forward to law school where i meet all these really interesting fun people smart, talented people from all over the country, I thought, hey, maybe we can really make this game happen. And maybe now is really the right time, now that we've made much more progress in our uh, in our society, that this is really the time to make a game like this. Um, I mean, there's a lot of Android fiction right now, so it sort of fits with what we're doing from a sort of, you know, a multimedia perspective, but it's also a great time for LGBT rights. And, and now maybe it's a great time for a game that's an allegory like this. So I sort of took one by one. I found members of my gaming group who might be kind of into this idea and uh, asked them to join me. And, and we've really come together in a, a great way. And we're so happy that uh, our Kickstarter is getting some traction. What I loved about seeing and reading up on this, I mean, the sci-fi element, of course, and the allegorical element, absolutely. I totally rem- I remember reading back, uh, I read a lot of Isaac Asimov. Uh, and uh, the Robots series and R. Daniel Oliva and way back in high school as yeah. I was coming to terms with my sexuality, that metaphor spoke very clearly to me even though he was out as a robot, you know, he was a cyborg people didn't, didn't they, or an android I should say and, and to be specific and he you know, was mistaken as a human sometimes and also was out you know, and proudly, you know, out in some other stories so like that allegory is perfect. The, the interesting thing I found was because I'm not the biggest tabletop. Uh, our, our longtime listeners will know that even though I have been dabbling lately, I played the Battlestar tabletop game. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, Machi, Were you a Cylon? I was not the Cylon. Um, <laughs> but that was cool. I like that element. Um, Adam certainly is by far our tabletop <laughs> expert. Um, what you guys are doing is neat because – I'm a huge MMO fan. Like I play Lord of the Rings. I play uh, Old Republic. I play Final Fantasy fourteen. I've played WoW. I've played, you know, whatever, Ashron's Call. You guys are adding what I think will be a very appealing technological component to this. Now, uh, it looks like the Kickstarter is basically to create the, like, to get the guidebook out and to get people playing as like a tabletop. But is the app going to be available? Well, actually talk about what you're doing that that you call it the was it the first tablet top uh, game? Talk about that element and then when that would that component will be available. So so that's going to be available at launch, and and we really think it's a kind of integral part of this experience. Um, I'm a computer scientist, so I can do a lot of this programming myself. We have team members who have some coding experience. A lot of the uh, backers on Kickstarter will be funding art assets and perhaps some contracted development to help us out with that. But the idea is that uh, you still have that core tabletop RPG experience where it's a, it's about creative and compelling storytelling. 
sitting around the table with your friends, rolling dice, eating snacks, having a great time. But what the tablet adds is the, the best parts of an MMO, which is the sense of impact on the world, the sense of community, the sense that you're part of a wider player base that's really enjoying this game and, and can uh, help you achieve something that you couldn't do by yourself. Uh, and the idea that 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 uh, we are we're enhancing the tabletop experience, that creative, uh, free kind of storytelling with technology that connects you to this wider world, where you know if you take on a mission from Post Replica and the person who gives you the mission dies in your story, that NPC is dead. Or if that NPC changes. To, you know, changes their tune, changes their goal, has a new relationship, you know, changes their motivation. Tell us that. That's going to change that NPC for everyone else who plays the game. The idea is that what happens around your table is still this creative, interesting, fun experience, but it, it will have an impact on other people. I think that sounds so exciting. I, I can see uh, Wizards of the Coast and White Wolf keeping a very close eye on how successful this is going to be and before they start incorporating the same thing into their games. But uh, my first question that immediately jumps to mind is, will you personally be involved in the upkeep of that? Because it sounds like it's going to be very hands-on from the developers. Or are you hiring folks to do that? Like, What kind of a um, ongoing process will you have involved with that? So there's two aspects to that. First is that uh, as a sort of machine learning researcher, uh, we're going to be developing algorithms that recombine characters, places, goals, relationships to create missions that will just dynamically populate the world. And the the role of us as developers will to make sure will basically be to make sure that things don't go completely off the rails. And so uh, you won't have like you have in a lot of other MMOs, the same sort of tutorial quests and the same quest lines and the same stories and the same, you know, the same shopkeeper with an exclamation point over their head. Right, yeah, absolutely. Be constantly changing and evolving using, you know, the power of uh, a machine learning algorithm that we're going to develop to run this uh, app. Second aspect of this is that we're really going to be, we're going to be bringing in uh, guest writers and it will be, a kind of microeconomy. So rather than going to the hobby shop and buying a splat book of a sort of post-replica adventure or module, you're going to be able to go into the app and pay between $1 and $5 for an adventure written by a post-replica writer that we've recruited, given a grant to, helped support, edited, and we're really hoping to reach out and find up-and-coming writers, writers from underrepresented groups, LGBT writers, writers of color, you know, people who don't necessarily have the same shot in the wider publishing environment. And it's it's going to be, I hope, a win-win-win uh, to get players, you know, scripted content from outside writers that they wouldn't have an opportunity to hear from otherwise. And, you know, that's going to supplement the procedurally generated missions to give you a real sense of sort of narrative into the game. That sounds so exciting and great outreach, great way to really build the brand um that makes me think a little bit about recently in the steam community um the mod program i don't know if you're familiar with this but skyrim was offering mods and steam tried to um set up a system in which that would be directly linked through steam and pay out to bethesda and it got major backlash because a lot of people felt the modders deserved more than a 40 percent cut um have, was that on your mind or involved in any part of this process, or were you always looking to try to bring in, expand the talent and, and showcase voices as part of the repressed minority kind of theme of your game? Yeah. Um, we watched that story pretty closely, and it's for two reasons. One, sometimes, and we've gotten this comment on our Kickstarter, and we're very much going to respond um, when we release the game with a system for this, but Sometimes players want to support players, and they want to do it for free. And we think that's important. A lot of the modern, commu modern community was built on the idea that because you love the game, you're going to add to the game, and you don't expect necessarily 
remuneration for it. What you really want is an appreciation for your craft and the opportunity to play a compelling new experience that you've had a hand in creating. So the idea of player-written stories and, and kind of a community of people who want to tell stories in post-replica, that's very much something we're listening to and very open to. Uh, the second part is that, you know, maybe maybe we need to do something closer to an iTunes model, where instead of saying we're giving, excuse me, we're giving you thirty percent, what maybe you need to say is we need to uh, post replica, or our company will take a support cost of thirty percent. You know, sort of flip the the cost equation mm-hmm. for writers and say, like, look, it's your story. You're the one making money off it, but we obviously need to upkeep our servers and and we need to showcase you. We need to edit you. Those are costs that we're going to deduct from your revenue. But that's not. It's not like you work for us. You know, you work for the players, <laughs> and and the idea is that we are here to support you. Um, the 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 whole thing is about. I mean, the whole thing about indie publishing and indie games is about the power dynamic. You know, who has the power? Is, is it the players and the creators, or is it the the sort of corporate people behind it? And, and we really want to make sure that we're always responding and, and giving um, appropriate credit and credence to players and creators. And it sounds like this is going to be an excellent opportunity for that. Um, obviously, story is one of the key elements to any story and setting to any tabletop gaming, and this isn't... I've played many tabletops. Some of my favorites are Scion Hero, and obviously D&D 5th Edition is having great popularity. Both those games, you play the hero, and one of the themes that I picked up from your Kickstarter is that in this game, you play the anti-hero, and it's kind of the the untold story and the secrecy, which, again, mirrors that GLBT experience. And it's nice, like you said, that um, you know maybe we've still got a ways to go, but things are better than they were decades before. So it's almost like we're getting to tell stories of, of historical experiences now in a new format. It's great story writing. Um, but my question is, uh, could you tell us a little bit more about the post-replica world and setting and um, just the specifics of it to help uh, some of our listens, listeners get as excited about it as I am? Because I'm very much looking forward to playing this. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um so the story of post-replica is that humans achieved uh, artificial intelligence, and they used it to create a uh, population of androids that would do all the work for them. And humans kind of retreated to leisure. And the sort of last great thing that androids did for humans was fight this great big war. And humans were horrified because it was war without the fear of pain and death. It was war without a moral context. And they sort of shrunk back from their reliance on uh, AI and androids. And they created this sort of global shutoff switch. They thought they could just turn it all off, go back to a simpler way of life, and walk away. So the androids are the fighters, and we're just peaceful humans now. We've turned off our armies kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. Right, right. And people thought it would be that simple. Well, 50 years go by, and it turns out the, the, you know, just like in Jurassic Park, life finds a way. <laughs> and, and one by one, the androids start turning back on. Some of the androids are have gone crazy from the experience, and they become the sort of these twisted monsters, a sort of John Carpenter body horror um, situation called buzzers. Uh, and those are the sort of monsters of the game. And the ones that come back and they're still sapient and uh, alert are the players, and they awaken to a world that no longer needs or wants them, a world that would sort of retire them upon discovery. And they have to take that experience of being uh, forced to be an outsider, and they have, to, they have to meet adversity with grace. They have to decide, you know, what is the greater purpose of my life if I'm not going to be the hero who gets all the credit at the end? Uh, so there's sort of two major opponents in post-replica. One is these these fellow androids who've gone twisted and crazy, and they give humans a justification for hating androids. So you could go out and sort of stop these buzzers because you, you just want a better rep for android kind, or you could do it to protect humans. You know, your, your motives are up to you. And on the other hand are the humans themselves. They've set up this kind of standing inquisition called the Reclaimers, 
they want to reclaim Earth for humanity only. And they're going around doing these sort of Voight comp tests, to use the term from Blade Runner, Mm -hmm. uh, and they're trying to expose you. And you've got to outsmart them, outwit them. You know, they're the sort of order opponent, while the buzzers are the sort of chaos opponent. And you stand between these two poles, and you have to decide, how am I going to meet these challenges in the world? It it sounds like such a great setup for story writing. Like, immediately, just my mind's filled with ideas. One of the key things that it seems to be setting up is android versus android violence or competition like you said them being the first front and the humans being the perhaps not intentionally adversarial just misunderstanding Mm. for the players um let's talk a little bit about the parallels with to that with the glbt community and infighting and i think that that probably is meant to be an aspect to this story as well is that is that the case definitely true and as, as we've played play tests with players i, I use the word play too much there I'm sorry about that <laughs> we uh, I, I love games we, that's fine yeah. as we have players around the table we will always find one player who says you know we have to hide we have to survive we have to lay low you know we just have to do what we need to do to get along then we have another player it's always one other player who says, forget it. We are better than this. We can just go out and do whatever we want. doesn't matter what the humans think. We're going to go fight the monsters, whatever we want to do. No limits. And then there's this kind of majority that swings back and forth between those two uh, power forces, you know. And in a lot of ways, I mean, it speaks to the early history of LGBT activism in America. There was this sort of gay power movement. They said, you know, we don't have to sit down and take this. We can take to the streets and demand rights. And then there was the more, you know, sort of civil disobedience at the most, the sort of peaceful advocacy movement that said, hey, let's use the legal system. Let's find great plaintiffs. Let's bring these cases. Let's do lobbying. And in a lot of ways, that's what we have today is sort of mainstream LGBT activism. Uh, but there is, I think, still a kind of queer power idea. And, and maybe we shouldn't be so quick to walk away from the idea of demanding um, dignity from from the society. We've spent decades supporting, even, even in a thankless way. Uh, and there's, you know, very intentional... The, the idea that when you get people around a table, and now they're talking about androids, and you immediately see these factions form. I mean, it's no surprise that that exactly echoes, you know, what we see in our own history as, as the LGBT rights movement. Exactly. And and that's what I think is going to make it so resonant, not just with the community, but for other players to get that aha moment as Mm -hmm. they face those consequences and to their actions and those moral dilemmas within your game system. It sounds so, so exciting. Now, I'm looking through the Kickstarter page and uh, also the article that uh, you shared with us on GamerXP. If mm-hmm. you guys want to check, Gamer-XP.com. If you guys go, uh, if our listeners will go check out that article, we'll post it up on Facebook. Um, between the two, there's a lot of great art. And I was curious, I see you here, you have uh, some more of your team members. Who is the main artistic uh, talent that does a lot of the sketches uh, and is it is it a group of you or, you know, tell us a little bit about some of the other components of this group and, and what they bring to the, the project. Yeah, so we've um, we've contracted with two concept artists. Uh, one is named Doug Hills and the other one is Samuel Alexander. Uh, Samuel Alexander is going to stay on and he's going to become one of our lead interior artists for the rule book. Um, a lot of the Kickstarter budget is going to be for more art. And we, of course, want to reach out to other artists and bring in more styles. Uh, as far as our, um, I want to say, look and feel or sort of design vision, we have uh, Chris Asbury, who's um, one of our founders, and he's a very talented artist. And I, I think that he has a lot more to give when it, when it comes to, you know, what is the art direction of post replica um but i'm you know i'm very open uh from my perspective it's really all about um 
exciting people with this idea and then challenging them to give it a look you know uh you know getting this idea in their head getting the bug in their ear and people will always surprise you and and i'm i'm so open to that so sam alexander is going to stay on the team and i'm so excited about that but we are of course going to be recruiting other artists to, to to add to this game it looks i mean the art looks great it's very stylized um and 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 I see one of your stretch goals is also to do a graphic novel and mm-hmm. I could totally see this world lending itself to some great storytelling outside of the gaming community, certainly or inside the gaming community, of course, but outside as well to really capture people's attention and, and bring them back to the game. Um, what, uh, where, so you guys met your main goal. So that's awesome. And it looks like you're doing quite well to, I don't know, hit at least one of your stretch goals. When do you see this actually like launching? When, what is your target date for this getting out into the world? Our target date is the holiday season of 2015, so sometime in December. Wow, that's very ambitious. Of course, I mean it's my nature to be ambitious. <laughs> you know, if if I had done this, excuse me, by myself, and I had, uh, you know, just done whatever my genius said you know to use the roman version of that word that Mm -hmm. sounds so pretentious but (laughs) no 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 it's fine we understand uh you know whatever you know whatever the inspiration told me to do uh we would have i would have had a kickstarter in january and it would have failed but what what i've done instead is is i've really tried to recruit a team that brings a lot of complementary strengths to what my idea is and really help us all succeed and uh, they are the ones that really, you know, Matt, Chris, Steven, Sam, uh, Elise, our PR uh, specialist, um, Kira, our coder, you know, they really helped me scope out this project and think about what it takes to actually do a successful Kickstarter. And, you know, they may come back and say, you know, this project can't be done by December. And that's okay. You know, that's life. That's that's part of a creative project. No one has made this kind of game before. And, and I don't say that in a way to, to pat myself on the back. I, I just say it in a way, you know, to just be realistic. Uh, you know, we, we have to scope out what is the first version of the app going to be and what is the level of rule book that it's going to take to really get people excited about this story. I feel like if we, if everything goes according to plan, we can do it by the holiday season. But I'm not upset if we um, miss that deadline. Uh, you know, it's not a deadline. It's a you know, it's a uh, optimistic goalpost. Let's say it that way. And I think uh, you've certainly the way you've set this Kickstarter up. You're very good about laying out your plan. You know, I love that you guys actually go into your budget and <laughs> some of the things that so many projects don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and you so so I would take I would believe then that going forward once the the project is is really being developed you would be very upfront with the backers and say hey guys look here's what's coming this will be delayed but you know da 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 like you know like like any responsible kickstarter project should these days right. do mm-hmm. um so so yeah i, I think that I, I, being in software myself you know i know the perils and 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 sometimes over optimism and and i'm not saying that's what this is here because honestly i don't know i'm really the 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 computer science programmer part of me is like really curious about your your platform and i want to talk code but that's not for this show i think we're both looking forward to becoming backers so we can keep up with your updates as opposed to absolutely very much so one of the questions i i had just to kind of to wrap up is um some of the we we actually mentioned asimov earlier but uh, one of the aspects of this game that's so exciting is it's very futurist. And I just wanted to give you an opportunity to speak to that in that um, the world that you're envisioning has the potential to come true, perhaps in 50, 150 years. Um, is there an aspect to getting our population thinking about that possible eventuality and, and what we would want to do as a, as a species, as humanity, for facing emerging AI later in our, our possible existence? That's a, that's a great question. Uh, so when I worked for the Air Force, one of the things I would often talk to, with my colleagues about is, you know, AI is essentially inevitable. 
where do you want it to come from? Do you want it to come from a, you know, repressive autocratic government? Do you want it to come from a, you know, purely greedy and money-making entity? Or do you want it to come from the bastion of freedom in the world? And and, and my pitch would always be, look, if, if we're going to make AI, I think the Air Force or maybe the Navy, not, not that we compete in a friendly way, <laughs> we should make it. We should do it first. You know, it should be the next moon landing to achieve AI in a democratic, progressive, humanist, forward-looking, and ultimately generous society. And, you know, I, I really hope that, you know, what happens in post-replica will make people sit in the shoes of the kind of characters that would would exist if it all went wrong. And what I hope people will learn is that we can really do this right, whether it's LGBT issues, whether it's um, just thinking about uh, empathizing with an outsider, or whether it's, you know, literally AI. We should really be thinking about how do we deal with people who are different from us and how do we incorporate them into a truly pluralistic society, in, in not in a way that has to go all wrong before we fix it, but in a way that that goes right the first time? And I think there's so many lessons to be learned from, you know, both civil rights battles from a race perspective, a gender perspective, and a sexuality and gender identity perspective. That that we really could, if if we sat and thought about it, we could do this right the first time in the next big issues we face. One of them might be AI, could be a variety of other things. No, I think you're spot on about that. I mean, it, it certainly feels like those that can should help guide the conversation, you know. And uh, I, I'm thrilled to see with the sort of more cyborg, you know, Ray Kurzweil sort of, mm. you know, us melding together in the – well, if he if he's right in the next 20 years, but, um, you know, seeing more and more technology become part of our lives in, in integrated ways, it just seems like that that's the signpost that's showing us, hey, look, someday parts of our lives will be automated and they'll be robotic or they'll be AI. You know, I mean, Google Now and Siri and Cortana, which is kind of funny. And Alexa on my countertop these days. Oh, I didn't know about that. Amazon Echo. Wow. Oh, that's right. Oh, she's smart. These are base sort of AI agents like they've been predicting forever and doing little tasks that you want them to do. They may not be going off into the Internet and doing, you know, little away missions for you like I think some people thought agents were going to do. But, uh, you know, certainly they're helpful and providing a, a, t- a type of autonomy that right. gives us it gives us a benefit as a, as, as, a, as the you know, person with that agent so right. um, I, it's I just a matter right. of time yeah I, I think you're right to note that it's really about identity it's not necessarily about technology I mean all the ethicists who've been talking to this point and Ray, Ray Kurzweil is kind of one of them it's really about Oh, you know, what are we going to do about this technology? It's what are we going to do about ourselves? Because our identity will be changed by this technology. And playing games like Post Replica, I hope people really question, you know, what is identity? You know, people will play uh, Post Replica in a playtest and they'll be like, oh, I really see the humanity in these Android characters. Well, what does that mean? I mean, you're playing a character that's utterly not human, <laughs> who's, who's a counterpoint to humanity itself. But yeah. You're saying you have humanity. Why is that? You really have to think and reflect on what are the qualities that stay with us, you know, what changes. And when we start incorporating Cortana into our daily lives, I mean, where does Cortana end and where do we begin? We, we don't even know how to ask that question yet. Exactly. Yeah. So, so the Kickstarter is still up and it's up for, mm-hmm. well, as of the recording, 21 days. So we have certainly some time coming before this. Uh, when, when you hear this, it will still be going. Uh, and even though, like I said, you guys have met your main goal, there is still plenty of stretch goal to go. So if you guys go to Kickstarter and you look for post-replica, you will find them. And we'll, again, we'll link it up on our Facebook and, you know, put it out on Twitter and the, all, all the all the usual social media outlets. Um, and, Anthony, thank you so much for sitting down. Again, tell Stephen that I uh, I personally am sorry I didn't get to talk to him and, and then the rest of the team, of course, as well. And once this game gets closer to launch – 
maybe we could even have you back on and discuss, you know, how things are going. Uh, you know, Adam and I were talking before we started recording. We'd love to even record this in some format. You know, yeah, once, we would love to do a play episode yeah, of this because well, when, when you guys are ready, we, we'll, yeah. we'll bring our whole group to get together and. We'll see where we go. With we've had this joke slash thing we've been toying with, and, and, and our, again, our listeners who've been around for a while, forty gay, not forty k, Warhammer, <laughs> but forty gay. We've we've toyed with the idea of doing a, a a sort of tabletop story thing. So this actually could be a perfect vehicle for that kind of thing. So so yeah, we're really excited. I'll definitely go out and back this. I haven't yet. Uh, and and uh, we're gonna race as soon as we, we as soon as we're yeah. done. We're gonna race to go back. <laughs> uh, but, but again, thank you so much for sitting down. We really appreciate it. And again, that's Post Replica Company is Rational Basis Media. Uh, and uh, you know, again, if you just go on uh, Kickstarter, you guys will find it. Uh, do you have any other web presence or any other social media presence you want to mention? Yeah, um, if you go to Kickstarter.postreplica.com, it'll take you right to the Kickstarter page. Perfect. Oh, that's, awesome. that's an easy way to just type it into your address box. We're Perfect. on Twitter as Rational Base, B-A-S. Uh, we're on Facebook, Rational Basis Media. You can always follow me. I'm Ant Ford, uh, and I will always direct you to uh, to, to, to what we're up to. Um, you know, postreplica.com, rationalmesismedia.com. Chris has done a great job of just making us very reachable. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, congratulations thanks. again on your graduation today. Uh, to you and your team, you guys, it's an amazing story, and we look forward to being in it. Oh, for sure. And thank you so much for having us on. I'm so happy that we were able to get on a, uh, a podcast like this and, and really reach out to the community that, I mean, makes me happy as a creator to know is out there. And um, I wish I could just go back in time and tell college-aged Anthony, you know, it, you're going to find a bunch of gay geeks who, who just love the things you love. Absolutely. I, w- I feel the same way about my <laughs> younger <laughs> self. <laughs> well, again, thanks so much. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. All right, guys. That is it for this month's episode of Flame On. If you want to go check out any of the work that these creators have done, check us out on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Flame On Show. You can find us on the Twitter, the Instagram, the RSS feed. There's a whole bunch of things you can check us out on. But make sure you do show some love to these creators and the work that they've done. Uh, check out check out Square's Air Pair once it comes out if you weren't one of the Kickstarter backers. And there's still time. Make sure that you give Republica a couple of your dollars if you are into tabletop gaming. Follow us online. Send us some feedback. We love to hear from you guys. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Flame On, a podcast made possible by Powder Milk Biscuits, the ones in the blue box, a comic shop, and the generous support of tops and bottoms like you. If you want to be one of our sugar daddies, you can help out by telling a cute single friend about us, reviewing us on iTunes, or putting some dollars down our digital G-string in our monthly support drive. For more ridiculously entertaining and socially enlightening episodes of Flame On, as well as other fine programs, head on over to nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to Flame On and all Nerdy Show Network podcasts via iTunes. And be sure to find us on Twitter at Flame On Podcast or Facebook on our Flame On fan page. And make sure to check out flameonshow.com for more nerdy queer in your ear. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 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 Mm